Our sermon today is going to come out of Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, but we are going to go in a little to 3, 4, and 5, so I will read them, as they will be 4 and 5 as the ones that we'll end the sermon on. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are here with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Lord, please let your word go forth. Let this word be crystal clear as it comes from my mouth, Lord. Let ears be opened, let hearts be opened. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. 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 Paul had delivered the gospel of Jesus Christ to the church at Galatia. The gospel that was given to him direct from Jesus Christ. Yet, as we often see in our own lives, when we spread the truth, others had snuck in behind Paul and began to proclaim a false message, a false salvation. The message they spread was one that included the need to be circumcised in order to be saved. The condition of one's heart didn't matter as long as you were circumcised. Similarly, in today's time, a new system of salvation, apart from the working of the Lord, has invaded the church. Gone are the days of men being changed by God and sent out into the world to change it. The Holy Spirit working in the lives of men and women, hearts changing, repentance and salvation changing the believer into a new creation, a new life in Christ. The newest and greatest system of salvation takes God completely out of the equation, leaving the church with men and women who've had little to no working of God upon their hearts, but merely have said the prayer, and then are allowed the full benefits of being sons and daughters of the Most High, lacking any form of godliness and treating the church as a social club or a way to show others how much they're needed. Notches are put into Bibles as men and women proudly claim to have personally led this many or that many to Christ. The idea that without them, no one would ever be saved. Their big motivation is to make themselves look godly in the eyes of their peers and fellow churchgoers. They claim to do the things they do for God, yet use the church as a way to boost their ego, self-esteem, and make themselves feel needed. Their lack of grounding in the Word of God and their lack of any sort of theological stance leaves them blowing to and fro like a tumbleweed until they're blown and lodged into a spot to take up residence until the next crosswind dislodges them and they blow again into a different town and a different church to begin this process over again. 
This is the false gospel infiltrating our churches today. The true gospel of Christ, the gospel that Paul brought to Galatia, was one of God changing the heart. The sinner seeing their sin and their need for a Savior, crying out for mercy, repenting of their sin at the cross of Christ and salvation coming from faith in Jesus Christ alone. The false message being spread in Galatia as well as spread today take Jesus Christ partially or fully out of the equation and require effort on the believer's part to complete the salvific process. They will say, yes, yes, you must repent. You must believe in Christ Jesus but you also must be circumcised. You must repent, you must believe in Christ, but you also must be baptized. You must repent, you must believe in Christ, but you also have to keep certain portions of the law. Your hair needs to be a certain length. You need to dress in a certain manner, in clothes of certain fabrics. No dancing, no playing certain games. The added caveat to the gospel not only added to the salvation process, but it cast Paul and in essence other true believers into a negative light where people not only questioned the message, but also questioned the God-given authority within the church. The questions would ultimately cast a wide enough shadow on Paul's ministry that he was forced to defend his apostleship to the congregation at Galatia. And at some point, some of us, some of us may have to defend the calling upon our lives as well. Paul, never one to mince words, didn't wait until mid-letter or later in the letter to the church to defend and squelch out any questions regarding his authority, but rather he addressed this issue from the very start. Chapter 1, Verse 1. He started his letter in this way. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men or through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul told the church with authority, I am an apostle. I wasn't made an apostle by any one person waving a magic wand over me and declaring me an apostle. I wasn't hired to be someone's lackey to come in here and try to preach some new and strange belief system that spit on the old ways. I wasn't elected an apostle by a popular vote of a congregation. I wasn't brought in front of a board, asked a million questions, deliberated on for hours before being declared an apostle. I didn't submit my impressive religious resume to the governing board of Christianity, who then offered me a position as an overseer of many churches. No, rather, I was elected and sent by God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I was the greatest of all sinners who had no business preaching the gospel to anyone. I was a blasphemer and a murderer. The people that I now preach the true gospel to I wanted dead. The Christ I now preach, I wanted wiped completely off the face of the earth. I was the last person, Paul would say, I was the last person anyone would elect to this role, yet it was me Jesus Christ used. 
He placed me here in such a time as this to be the one he would have lead his early church. It was God and him alone. I don't need the approval of man. In fact, I have a group of true believers here with me who see my calling, who believe my calling is true. They were sent by God as witnesses to others, to others that the calling is in fact real. And here I must pause. Every one of you who are saved has a calling on your life to serve the body of Christ. As long as you draw breath, the calling is there and will continue to be there. You start out being called to believe, then maybe to evangelize, maybe to preach, maybe to help orphans and widows, to feed the homeless. You may be called to be a friend to someone who needs a friend. You may be called to defend those who are defenseless. As the days run on and the body grows older, the calling may change. It may be evolved into something much greater. You may be called to pray more, becoming a prayer warrior. Maybe you'll be drawn into hospitality, be giving the gift of compassion, where the Lord can use you in so many different areas. The body of Christ has so many needs, and it has so many areas of service, and you will be placed within one or more of these areas. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Peter reiterated this point when he wrote, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As you walk with Christ, walking out your salvation with fear and trembling, these gifts will start to hone themselves. You will see your special gifting being used within the body of Christ. You may notice you have an inclination to be charitable. Maybe you need to go above and beyond to help the poor, to love the downtrodden. You may seek to be a blessing to the elderly, the homeless, or the orphan. You may have a gifting to help and love the ones the world has used up and spit out, the ones the Lord has begun to work upon. You will see with crystal clear vision the giftings the Lord has given you to serve His body, and others will see them too. You may be linked with other believers, as Paul was, to exercise these gifts for the betterment of the body. You may come side by side with other believers to make a difference in someone's life. Maybe the lives of a group of people, the ministry of a church, maybe a village, a town, a city, an entire state, a country, 
Perhaps the Lord is going to use your gifting in whole or in a part to infect and affect the entire world. But here I must stop and give you a very solemn warning followed by some very good news. If you are doing anything under God's power, under his anointing, that is helping to serve the body of Christ or grow his ministry upon this planet, it doesn't matter if you're at the forefront, the middle, or even standing in the shadows. If you are actively using your gifts to serve, you will come under attack. It is inevitable. There will be forces used to oppose what the Lord is doing through you. There will be people waiting in the shadows for you to do something they don't like to sound the alarm against you. Don't believe me? Drop your guard for one second. Don't watch yourself for one second. Don't stick to the playbook they feel you should be reading from. God forbid that at some point you sin and see how fast the fingers come out pointing in your direction. The hate will spill forth. The I told you so's start. The Monday morning quarterback syndrome takes a churchly twist as they will say, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. If it was me, I would have never. When you do something in Christ's name, you are basically placed upon a very tall pedestal with a very small surface to stand upon. And there at the bottom stands the world and potentially other believers fueled by sin, kicking away at the base, slamming into the upright section, rocking the pedestal to and fro, side to side, with ever-increasing momentum as the rocking motion increases until at last you fall. There is they lord over you. They wonder why you couldn't stay on course. They wonder why you couldn't stay atop their man-made pedestal. They wonder why you fell so easily. They themselves may exhibit the same emotion you did, but that wasn't them. It was you. You were the one that should have acted like they feel you should have acted. Devoid of any knowledge of the real challenges or issues that you're gifting truly throws at you. Hypocrisy and self-righteousness reign supreme in this model of worldly drama. But alas, dear believers, the key, the key to this worldly lock is laid out for us in verse 1 penned by the hand of Paul the Apostle. Not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. What you, what all of you have been called to do by God cannot be revoked and it cannot be vetoed by any man or group of men. You may do things others don't like. You may sin along the way. Others may question you personally. Others may question your faith. They may feel they are without sin and they may cast stones. I say, so be it. The Word of God says different. The Word of God says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If Paul had taken the character attacks 
and questioning of his calling to heart and stopped doing what God had called him to do, where would we be right now? Would Christianity have spread far and wide like it has? Would Paul have preached and spread the gospel until he was beheaded for his defense of the faith? Or would he have lived to a ripe old age, void of all stress and conflict that his calling brought? We may never know. But what we do know is that Paul never let the opinions of man stop him from his goal set forth by God, and neither should any of you. Peter wrote, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Let me read that again. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Anytime you step out in faith and do what God has called you to do, attacks shall come. Some may be subtle, some outright and vicious, but they will come. And you must shrug them off and keep going. You must, you must keep the goal in sight and you must press on. Pay no attention to the naysayers. Pray for those that attack you that they, that they may find salvation by knowing and believing in the true biblical Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If or when... You sin in a struggle or a weak moment. Be prepared to apologize and repent of your words or actions if given the opportunity. If no opportunity is given, get back on track to accomplish that which the Lord has called you to do. And remember, we are not lone wolves on a top secret mission. We must work together. Paul wrote, for even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And whereas, 
and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Amen. 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 Each being members of the same body, we must work together to further the gospel and bring the light of Jesus Christ to the world. We know in the end, not all people will be saved. But, as Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Spurgeon wasn't saying we need to get everyone saved and then move on, strutting around like a peacock because we've done something great for God. What he was saying was that as the body of Christ, we need to be there. We need to be there. We need to be visible, standing before those who are unsaved, being used of God to stand between the lost and hell. If they must go, let them go over our dead bodies, bodies exhausted with carrying on our part of the mission God has laid before us. And our mission is a simple one. Be the visible body of Christ. Each one of us has been called to this exact time and place to serve the Lord here and now. He wants us to be here and He wants us to be serving. If He wanted us elsewhere, He would have put us elsewhere. God wants us right where He has put us. We are not here. Not one of us is here by mistake. Don't ever think that you were. You are not here in this time and place by mistake. We are here. We are all here by God's calling and not by man's. We are called to make up the body of Christ right here in West Michigan, right here in the year 2022. We as a body of Christ have a unique set of issues to deal with and a select group of people to minister to. We're not here by mistake. We're not here by chance. We are not here without a reason to even be alive. We are here by God's design and we are here in God's plan. Each of us given select giftings that further the spread of Christianity. Each one of us with different people around us that can be evangelized, that can be shown the love of Christ through us. Each one of us has a mission and a ministry the Lord has called us to. God may have called you to preach the word. He may have called you to care for the sick. He may have called us to shelter the homeless. Love those who have never seen true love. You all have a gifting. Every one of you. All of you. The big question is, what is it? And how is the Lord going to use you in your gifting? But know this. Use you in your gift. He will. It will be a fulfilling time of your life when the gift is finally revealed. Some of you may have already seen your gifting and are using it now to help spread the love of 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Others may have a real good idea what their gift is. Some may have no clue what their gifting is. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay not to know what your exact gifting is at this point. It will be revealed to you. If you don't know what it is, it's okay. Just know that those who God has saved through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, He will use in some form or another. You may be used every day. You may be used once in a while. But know that today, tomorrow, every day, until the day we are face to face with Jesus Christ in heaven, we have the potential to be used by God to further His kingdom. So be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. When you're feeling strong or when you're feeling weak, be ready. But also be on guard. In this walk, our personal walk with Christ, trials and tribulations will come. These are allowed to come upon us to show us how far that we have come. How far maybe we've fallen backwards. How much we need to grow or potentially how much we've grown. In these trials and tribulations, you may be offended or you may offend. If you are the offender, apologize. If the offendee, do not let your response to the offense cause greater sin than the original sin against you. We all must remember we are part of the same body under the same headship, that headship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what this world throws at you. It doesn't matter what other believers throw at you. It doesn't matter what life itself throws at you. You need to fulfill the obligations of your part of the body. Paul also wrote to the church at Corinth, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We all have a calling 
upon our lives. We were all placed here in this time to be the visible body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will come under attack because of our faith and our calling God has placed upon us. So please, please remember this. Please remember this, you who are saved. Remember this, those of you who have been chosen. Those of you who serve the body of Christ. You do this under the authority of no group of people, under the authority of no individual person, but under the authority and the calling of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. 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 Amen.